reconnecting people with their primal roots or their ancestral roots, which you can think of it as them just unbecoming and becoming more of their true selves. When you're your true self or you're in your bliss, you are like so connected to your divine higher purpose. Um, and whether mm. you're a spiritual person or not, that is good. that's what's going to allow you to flow with so much more ease in your life. You're listening to the Brave Spaces podcast, a podcast that liberates shame and transcends fear through heart-centered connection and radical truth-telling. This is your host, Tyler Rowling. I believe that freedom is found when we lean into our vulnerability and explore the edges of discomfort so that we can grow and transform into the person we were meant to be. Join me as I interview friends, thought leaders, and multi-passionate visionaries on how they uncovered their truth and chose bravery over perfection. Let's get started. Sucha Kumar is on her purpose of reconnecting humanity to our primal nature to experience bliss. She has been training in multiple movement modalities for over 15 years with the foundation of yoga, which she trained in during her time in India. Wilts on the pursuit of improving her health and the health of Mother Earth, she has tried most every diet, including the vegan diet and carnivore diet. Sucha is the CEO and founder of Live Blissed, a company that takes you on a journey of infusing primal movement, ancestral nutrition, and earth recharge, and tribe love back into your life, just like our ancestors practiced. These are offered through retreats around the world, movement camps, and primal health coaching by Sucha. Sucha leads Welcome, with always Sucha, bringing play and soul. celebration an into all that we do and serves you Thank up the you balance so much, between Tyler, disciplined practice, so finding flow, yes, and guiding you and uncovering Sucha, your truth to live blissed. This was months ago, starting at the beginning of 2022. We went to an abundance workshop by a colleague and sister of ours, Lo, House of Lo. She also has a podcast if you'd like to tune into that. And yeah, you had this energy. It was just, you were so embodied. And as an embodiment coach, mm -hmm. witnessing other women who are really walking their truth, walking the talk, and you are such an embodiment of that. So I reached out to you and I was like, Sucha, I want you in my world, girl. What are you up to? I want to know more about primal living because I feel like so many of us have disconnected from that part of us. And I'm excited to dive into this conversation and explore more how we can do that in tangible, realistic ways in today's modern society. I would love to know what got you into this work. You know, tell us how you turned your pain into your medicine and how your mess becomes your message. I love that, how your mess becomes your message. And also it's just so divine to be able to be connected to you. I love how when you're, you know, on this path, it's like a magnet and you just put it out there and you just get attracted to the humans that are pulled. And I had no idea you even existed. And then the fact that we were pulled together and we just had this conversation after, and then this is flowing is so beautiful and divine. So thank you first and foremost. So how I got into this work has always been experimentation. That's kind of like my go-to word, like 
life in general as this experiment, but also everything that I've experienced, and we can call it that pain or the messiness, that is, um, you know, my pursuit is actually the experimentation of trying to heal this. And in some ways, maybe in the past, it was more ego driven, or maybe it was a little bit more like, fitness industry driven, which I'm sure we'll get into or whatever it was, but it still, you know, put me in that journey of experimentation, which thus allowed me to learn more and different aspects of myself. Um, currently, what I am really diving deep into is reconnecting people with their primal roots or their ancestral roots, which you can think of it as them just unbecoming and becoming more of their true selves. When you're your true self or you're in your bliss, you are like so connected to your divine higher purpose. Um, and whether mm -hmm. you're a spiritual person or not, that is good. That's what's going to allow you to flow with so much more ease in your life. And so with this modern day society and supplements and diets and all of the things like usually it's the whole band-aid technique and so rather than that it's like whoa let's like simplify and take it way back um so just to keep it brief you know when i was in college one of the classes that just stuck out to me so much was biological anthropology which is in short kind of like our evolution right and um that just always stood out to me but at that time like at age eight, 19 18 19 i had no idea like what i would even be doing i knew i loved movement i was really immersed mm. into it i knew i was interested in healthy eating but i was like I don't know. And everything started to make sense now. So it's really the experimentation that's brought me to where I am today and that uncovering the pain and the messiness. Yeah, I so connect with that. And I, I live my life very similar in like life is a big social experiment, an experiment and yes, unlearning, remembering, peeling back the layers, asking ourselves, what's mine? What's not yeah. mine? what's true for me, you know, what was inherited from my upbringing, from society. Yeah. Yes. I love yeah. that. And I love how you mentioned, you know, on this path to discovering your truth, it was like you started with these different modalities and now life has kind of come full circle where you're integrating the movement, you're integrating the nutrition piece particularly. And I would love to dive in more to how you were like full on vegan, plant-based, yeah. and then now you're like carnivore, meat-eating goddess. Yeah. So <laughs> I yes. love that. Thank you. I'm taking that. <laughs> yes, please Watch do. me eat my steak. <laughs> yes, watch me eat my steak. And like, I, I just love how part of this path of being human, you get to evolve as much as you want. And I know for me personally, sometimes I got, I get caught up in this. When you choose a path, you have to stick to it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think many people sort of hold on to that belief as well. And it's like, well, maybe not. Let's, let's, be able to use critical thinking. Let's be able to explore and be open to possibilities. So first question that I want to ask is why, why do most diets not work for people? Mm, yeah. So I'm going to give just a little context because I think we might 
we connect a little bit more deeper on this um, yes. because we talked about pain, right? And how that becomes your passion and what you put out in the messiness. And a big part of my pain growing up was disordered eating and specifically it was binge eating for me. And luckily I didn't purge in the uh, way of um, vomiting, but I did overtrain and overwork out and really mess with my hormones that way. And um, anything that you do repetitively does turn into a pattern in your brain. So there comes a certain mm. point, unless you take the time to de-pattern, um, sometimes it's not as easy as just a matter of stop eating, stop going to the kitchen, finding something else to fulfill you. It's like now a part of your um, cognitive behavior. So you know, anyone who's experienced, especially like binge eating is what I can truly speak from, from experience. It's so painful and you hate yourself. And it's like, why am I doing this? And you just wish that like one day you just like, <laughs> like, you're like, am I ever going to be able to like live a different way? And so the reason I bring that up is because um, there's a big thing that I like to focus on, which is called satiety. And um, mm -hmm. a lot of diets simply fail because you're not really satiating yourself. Um, and you put other foods in your body that aren't real foods and majority of foods on the market are actually created to be addictive. A lot of the processed foods out there, uh, you know, companies are actually trying to find the perfect equilibrium between making something perfectly salty and crunchy and sweet so that you can just just devour it um, and you don't you're not able to step away and just like be like I'm actually so satiated um, we've also completely lost that connection with the earth and whether that be a plant or an animal that we're consuming or maybe even fungi because there's those organisms too and um we've lost that connection so now all of a sudden we're eating something we can't even recognize it in its full form so we've lost connection um and you know whether that's like farming plants or even like ranching animals um that when that disconnection is not there, we're not able to respect what we're putting in our mouth and we can mm. um, respect the vessel that we have. Mm. Um, so basically, I really think a lot of these diets fail because a lot of these diets are still trying to get people to like enjoy and treat themselves and like incorporate the modern day foods. I from what I've experienced and worked with clients on and seen with many people is that mm -hmm. as long as you're incorporating modern day foods that aren't real foods, and as long as you don't have that true satiety um, as a focus of your diet, you're never going to be satiated and you're still going to be tempted to sway away and um, maybe like have a diet temporary, but not long-term, which is what you should be shooting for, which is the lifestyle. Um, and of course that quick gratification people crave, like losing weight really quickly for something. And it's like, no, actually this should be more sustained. Yes. Yeah, I love how this first question of why diets don't work, because this is a lot of the work that I do too. As a registered dietitian, nutritionist, certified intuitive eating counselor, when I started my coaching practice, Food, Body, and Soul back in 2020, it was 
it was primarily focused on helping women ditch diet culture um, and heal their relationship to food in their body. And one of the messages that I talked about over and over again was diets don't work. Diets were built to fail. People often say, you know, oh, I, there I go. I did it again. I failed at this diet, you know, something's wrong with me. And it's like, no, 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 my love. Diets were built to fail. Diets were built Mm -hmm. to fail. The diet failed you. The diet failed you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then coming back to um, satiation. And I love how you also touched on the disconnection to our food. I feel Mm -hmm. that so much, even more so now. When I started my studies to be a registered dietitian, I'm so grateful for the education that I received. And I also realized how much was missing and how much more learning I had to do on my own outside of the school schooling that I received, you know, and sort of the indoctrination that occurs within the schooling system. And so I can be grateful for the fact that I received, you know, my master's in nutrition science and I have this, you know, credential of being an RD and what else is there to learn? The next piece that I want to ask is what's the best way for people to get a taste of the primal experience? Mm, Okay. What is the primal experience? Tell us more. Yeah. So the primal experience is really broken down into a few parts. The first one I like to call ancestral nutrition and that's, you know, eating, eating the food of our ancestors. Um, to just clarify that, that a little bit more, a lot of times people think just culturally, right? Culturally, what did my um, ancestors eat? If I were to go into that, that would be rice, but I'm not going to just eat all rice because that was actually a byproduct of the agricultural revolution where a lot of these foods were kind of put into our society that didn't exist actually thousands of years ago. So if we look at what our ancestors ate before that, mostly hunted and then gathered seasonally. So we can dive into that a little bit more, but that's what kind of brought me to the more animal-based approach of eating. I also experienced carnivore. So ancestral nutrition. The second element of the primal way of living would be um, primal movement or what I like to call movement fusion. And with, you know, coming from a fitness industry background, but also a dance background and a swim background within all of those modalities, there's very, there's a lot of choreography. There's a lot of structure and, Mm -hmm. you know, even dance, for example, I know you dance and it's like a beautiful way to express yourself, (laughs) but But Mm -hmm. if you are doing it in a serious training way, it can almost make you so tied up to having perfect choreography that you almost forget how to just do it for fun. Um, With the fitness industry, I was so indoctrinated and like convinced that I needed to get this perfect six pack body. That's definitely a big thing that prolonged my binge eating. Um, and, you know, following the typical bro split with movement, which is like bodybuilding style. And I forgot the intuitive movement. My, my roots are in yoga. And even with yoga, people think it's just the yoga posture. So incorporating a more like way of movement of how like 
either our ancestors. And in this way with movement, I like to use um, actually a lot of chimpanzees as like movement patterns because chimpanzees are 98% identical DNA to humans. And if you see, they're always primal squatting. They have these limbs where we can Mm -hmm. move and hang from trees our shoulders are the most mobile joint in our bodies but we use them the least amount most people aren't hanging at all and so that is some examples of the primal way of movement then we have um, earth recharge so like really grounding with the earth how often are you putting your feet on the bare soil how often are you touching and immersing yourself with the ocean water we're so concerned about just dousing ourselves with sunscreen and just going tanning that we forget that the salt and the minerals and even a river, like all of that is such natural healing for us, putting our faces in the sun. I can Mm. promise you that getting more sun is going to be way more beneficial to you than focusing on all the supplements that you need. Um, And then finally tribe love. Um, You know, Mm. we are, we are creatures of like wanting that social connection. We all just want to be loved and mattered. And, um, you know, one of the best joys in life, and this is where it's all combined is like being able to breathe with people next to you, being able to eat Mm. and have this like primal communal dinner with people being able to share these deep connections like we're having right now. Um, and trusting that if the people that are in your life don't align, it's okay to release that because that way you're making space for the people who do align for you. Mm. And that's what I love to call live bliss is the tribe of like truth seekers, because we are constantly like not settling for less and like looking mm. for this yes. true tribe mm. where we can live this way unapologetically. Because I mean, coming from the vegan community, even like, it was a lot to be able to step out of this. And I was, I needed to actually pull away and look for a new, like more truer tribe for me personally. So all of those elements are really encompassing the primal way of living. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is so, so powerful. So just to kind of summarize is, this primal way of living and your modality specifically starts off with ancestral nutrition. So connecting to our mm. food, satiation. Yeah. Um, and I, I also love that you mentioned the binge eating around how when we're not eating enough, of course we're going to end up binge eating. And if we're restricting in any way, it leads to binge eating too. And if we're not feeling that satiation, and I love how you touch on um, the importance of eating real foods. <laughs> what a concept, right? What a concept mm-hmm. that, you know, mm. it breaks my heart that some people, you know, they don't have access to these real foods either, or that the knowledge just isn't there. Um I think about us 90s kids growing up and some of the the quote-unquote food that we were raised with. Like, what? What? Yeah. There's so much unlearning yeah. and unpacking that we're doing. It's like wild. Yeah. We're really kind of, it feels like paving a new frontier of returning back to our roots, to our primal roots. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned, yeah, the ancestral nutrition and then the movement. Ooh sister the movement I didn't know that you had a dance and swim background yeah I was uh I grew up 
doing Indian classical dance, which is like, you can think of it as the ballet of like that side of the country because it's very structured and like um, has very specific movements. It's less flowy and more like sharp or I, I'm not sure what the correct term would be to use. Maybe you can help me out. Yeah. But in high school, I was in dance company and that's where I got to explore more hip hop and contemporary and modern dancing. But still, of course, very choreographed because you're all you're doing is training to perform at a show. Um, yes. And mm-hmm. then in college, I started taking dance classes too, but that's where I actually got really discouraged because I think... I was probably one of the only people who wasn't a dance major there. And I was like, oh man, like all of these people, this is their life. And for me, it's just, I'm, I want, I want to do it for fun. And I'm like, I feel like I'm not yeah. taking it as seriously <laughs> as the people around here. Yeah. I just want to like have music and dance freely. And I actually put it yeah. off for several years and then finally got kind of, um, I've been like really reconnecting with it, but I've had amazing friends who do like Polynesian dance and more belly dancing and to be able to move in that Mm. feminine way because I was so in my masculine from the type of fitness training I was doing for years and the under eating. So being able to like eat more fat and protein, but also move my hips and actually eat more meat. Like it's actually been a big part of me stepping more into my divine feminine, which is really cool because a lot of times they say like, you know, eating me or like, you know, that is seen as more of a masculine thing. So yeah. Oh, Sucha, I love this so much. And I just have to say, girl, that I also in college, I took a dance class. I was not a dance major. I was a nutrition Mm. major, but I grew up dancing also a synchronized swimmer. So dancing in the water and doing swim team as well. So I'm loving this connection here and I can totally relate. I enrolled in a dance class and everyone's a dance major. And I'm like, I'm just here to like, you know, get movement. And it's almost like a release to me. Dance is a release. It's a form of expression and um, also a beautiful way to connect to the earth. I feel like too, when we're able to move outside and barefoot with our feet on the ground. And I know that you hold retreats and different workshops that focus around that, no? Yes, yes. I mean, like, yeah, we're pretty much doing all of the movement outside and grounding down that way and everything from like waterfalls to just like barefoot hiking Mm. and just like soaking up the vitamin d from the sun like it's so incredible that way yeah swim yeah. swimming was interesting it's definitely more of like an individual support and uh, sport and yeah. because it was so about just like how fast can you do the laps um yeah. i was definitely like raised to be more competitive that way but also yeah. you know we tend to like the things that we're good at and so when we from a young yeah. age are like oh, I'm not good at this because I didn't score this amount or I didn't win this medal, you get pretty discouraged. Um, And so that's like an interesting one when it comes to like those kinds of sports and movement Mm. modalities, right? We have to kind of re- um, refined those, those movement modalities that maybe could have been competitive or could have been really choreographed, but find our own love and passion for it. Just doing it for fun, for our own healing. Yeah. Yeah, I know our culture and society is definitely focused around achievement and accolades and awards and all the things. Um, and so I can totally relate to that. 
And I imagine those listening as well, you know, um, and I appreciate how you mentioned, you know, eating meat and things we might immediately think of more masculine energy, but you mentioned how it actually has led you to tap more into your feminine. And I'd love to hear more about that. Before we dive into that, though, I just want to mention briefly that I was primarily plant-based, not vegan, not vegetarian. I'd say like pescatarian, flexitarian. I was open Mm. to all foods. Um, But it was actually after connecting to your content and your messaging um, and then listening to other podcasts and starting to hear more about the pro-metabolic space um, and eating liver and sort of organ meats and more red meats and these things that, you know, in schooling as a dietitian, we're taught avoid red meat. It leads to your arteries, leads to heart disease, all the things. So it's like, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's happening? What's happening? And I, I actually did my own little experiment for a few months where I started to incorporate more red meat and specifically trying to find, you know, grass-fed beef. Um, I would also love to hear more about where you get your meat from, because I know there's a particular brand that you're connected to. Um, But yeah, I started incorporating more of these red meats and organ meats into my diet, um, as well as, you know, dairy which was another thing that I had kind of cut out of yeah. my diet, but really focusing on like whole milk versus the reduced fat yes. or fat free and just real food, real food, you know? Yeah. And oh my gosh, Sucha, my skin cleared up, which is wild because another thing that we hear a lot of is dairy can lead to yeah. like acne. And things like that. Yes. Um, but that was not the case for me in my little experiment that I did on myself. And yeah. I felt so just glowing. You yes. know, and on top of that, I was eating, I was also eating, you know, vegetables. I, I also love juicing, not from a diet yeah. diet standpoint, but more so just all the nutrients that come from yeah. plants. You know, there's a lot of great yeah. nutrients. Um, and I felt vibrant. And I can so relate to you when you said you felt more in tune with your feminine. You just feel like more juicy, you know, like, I don't know how to describe it, but you feel more like, yes, that's such a good way to say it. You feel more (laughs) juicy. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You just feel more juicy and delicious. Like, mm, yeah, yeah. I would love to hear more about this though. Yes. Okay. So growing up, you know, my family actually never ate red meat because I come from the culture in India and we have the holy cow. So cat, like, you know, beef was never a thing growing up. Uh, maybe once in a while I had an in and out burger and even then it wasn't something I was crazy about. Um, but we did grow up loving salmon. Salmon was big in our, in our family when my parents were together, my dad would grill salmon. That was kind of like what we did at family parties. So that was always exciting. Um, then, you know, in, in middle school and just over the years, especially when my mom was raising my brother and I as a single mom, like 
she was always like more on the healthy side, but we would still do like Costco runs because it's just like trying to feed two kids while you work and like they're going to school and kind of exploring what I like, but still confused. In high school, as a freshman was when I first realized I was like actually gaining a lot of weight. Um, and it was because, you know, I wasn't used to having freedom to eat all the different kinds of foods. So when I finally had freedom and I was away from the house more, I was going out and eating more like, you know, unhealthy processed foods. And I was starting to have like a little bit of an allowance. And at 15, I was actually like working right away. And so all of a sudden I had cash and I was like, thinking I was like rich from making like just a little bit of money a week. But then I was like, I can go out to eat with my friends. And then, you know, slowly you have friends who have cars and are starting to drive. So just all that freedom. But my mom, I wouldn't say she was strict, but she just didn't really let us have a lot of processed foods or go out to eat. That wasn't really part of something we did. So when I got that freedom, it was like going crazy. But that definitely caught up to me. And then, of course, puberty going through that. So it was just all at once. And um, I had like heard of people going pescatarian. And so that actually did help and work out for me because and this is where it's very like it's very interesting with the red meat studies is like although grass-fed finished red meat is literally one of the healthiest foods in the world the processed factory farmed version in burgers and in just a bunch of the junk food that's sold there is unhealthy because it's in combination with uh, a gluten bun it's in combination with sauces it's it has sugar it's cooked in vegetable oils so that's actually unhealthy. Right. So being pescatarian actually kept me away from a lot of like fried and like a lot of fast foods. Um, so it did keep me kind of a little yeah. bit more on the healthy side, but I still had no, you know, um, right. I, I had no basis of like satiating with protein and fats. And I didn't have an idea of what I should be nourishing myself with. So even though as pescatarian, um, I was really wanting to be skinny at that time because that was what was cool. This, this was before strength training was cool for women. So I got really deep into my binge eating during high school. Um, and yeah. then at age mm -hmm. 18, I was like really exploring my interest with the environment. I've always been really big into like mama earth and our connection to her. And I kept hearing about how the vegan diet was like the most sustainable diet because you're saving so many water sources and resources and emissions. And um, I was always like, I could never be vegan. But somehow I did with the partner I was at the time. We went vegan together, watched all the documentaries. And that support system always helps. Now, you mentioned something at the beginning of this podcast was like, it's really easy once you do something to be like, I need to be this way forever. And I think I stayed right. and felt almost pressured to be in the vegan diet for the four years that I was because I felt like I had to be vegan forever. And there was many times I said, I'm going to be vegan forever. And I get, I didn't leave space for me to grow. Um, at this time, I also got really big into the fitness industry and really the only way I could get my protein to where I wanted it to be was to have a lot of tofu and have a lot of protein powder. Eventually, something didn't feel right. And I was like, I'm depending on these foods that aren't even real foods to get my basic nutrients. And so I was eventually introduced to um, 
to red meat and it felt like I had eaten for the first time ever when I had a bite of steak. (laughs) It was crazy. Yeah. And I had always been interested in the environment, like I mentioned. So that was my introduction to regenerative agriculture, which was originally how we got onto this topic. And so thus, I just kept researching. And that brings us back to experimentation on this path. And legitimately eating more animal-based was the first I don't want to even call it a diet because I really think this is like the way our ancestors like lived their life. But it was the first way of eating that took away all of my cravings that truly satiated Mm. me. I had an unhealthy period cycle even after getting off birth control. It was the first thing that regulated my hormones. I kept breaking out. Same thing. It was the first thing that like literally cleared my skin. I was losing hair. I don't know if it was from stress or getting off birth control or like eating vegan for years, but my hair was growing lusciously. And I had spent so much effort trying to maintain a certain way of weight, so much effort, overtraining, trying to under eat, never feeling full enough. And for the first time, it felt so easeful, so easeful. So Mm. all of these things were just undeniable. And the beautiful thing is, is even when I did the full carnivore diet, it was never something I was like, I'm going to do this forever. I like really, I just had to detach so much from what I thought my identity was So I was able to enter this like primal way of eating where I do a little bit of everything, but very heavy emphasis on the meat, specifically red meat, um, Mm, which has been amazing. Yes. Oh, I love, I am loving this conversation so much. There's so much I want to touch on. Um, Another thing that came through was how we there's something around ideologies and people almost being addicted to ideologies and looking at ideologies as dogma. And it's almost like that's where it can become toxic and not beneficial is when we attach so closely to this idea that this is the ultimate Mm -hmm. truth, such as veganism. Because I know that there are people out there who are very, you know, into that lifestyle and not to say that there's anything wrong with it. But what I'm curious about is can we hold space for the different truths that can exist? Can we hold space for different ways of living? Um, And another thing that I'd love to hear more on, because I know that so many of us hear that red meat is bad for the environment to eat red meat is bad for the environment or meat in general, animals in general. Can yeah. you tell me, tell us more about, cause I've also heard through other, you know, sources and things that actually, depending on the source, it's actually mm-hmm. better for the environment, for the earth, for the soil. Yes. And kind of yes. when we are, when we are overgrowing these major crops, like corn and soybean and these other plants, it actually takes a lot of the nutrients out of the soil. So I'm not an expert in that field by any means, but it's something that I've heard of. And I would love if you know of anything, maybe we can touch on that and how it actually can be sustainable and good for the environment to consume plant products or um, animal products. Yes, a hundred percent. Um, 
that was such a big shift for me because um, I, you know, you just assume because it's vegan, it's better for the environment, it's better for your health, right? Um, yes. Which is not the case. Um, there is a lot of studies that go to show it's basically called epidemiology, but basically all of the studies that are out there on red meat, it's not studies on just eating meat. It's studies on people eating burgers. That's how the average like meat is consumed. It's consumed with eating the bun, eating the fries, eating the ketchup, eating the standard American diet or what we'd like to call the sad diet. So unfortunately, only now are accurate studies being done on people eating um, grass-fed, finished, real meat, good quality meat, good quality vegetables and fruits. Um, up until now, unfortunately, all of the studies done, like they're just not accurate. And that's why we actually need to question the studies and the yes. science that's put yes. out there. And, mm. um, you know, question, I, I don't want to be against Western medicine, but like, unfortunately, many doctors that I've talked to, like they have no knowledge of this because they're just taught what was right. incorrect in our studies. Um, there's a book called The mm. Big Fat Surprise. So if someone's interested in diving down that rabbit hole, um, it's very important to understand. So The Big Fat okay. Surprise is the book. Um, so diving into the environment. So regenerative agriculture is what this all encompasses. The most beautiful quote I've ever heard of is that sustainability is scarcity mindset and regeneration is abundance mindset. What that means is that when you're thinking about what's so sustainable, like the vegan diet is all about, this is the most sustainable. You're trying to like save all the resources of the environment because there's none left. Rather than regenerating the earth because the earth mm. is a beautiful healing organism, like a vortex yes. in and of itself, yes. and it can regenerate yes. and heal and create more life because who knows, whatever we believe in, after we wipe out, there's going to be more. And there was so much previous before right. us. So it's regenerating. Right. It's not like this is a one and done situation. Right. Once all the ice melts, we're done forever. Um, and so what I'd like to take this back to is our roots. If you look at the migration patterns, even with the bison in the Americas, there is you know, it, it shows that they're coming all the way from like South America or Mexico, all the way through the U.S., continental U.S., to Canada and millions, millions of bison. So what this means is that not only do the natives use bison as their everyday, um, whether it's food, but they use the hide, they use every part of the bison for their lifestyle. But also, if you think about millions of bison stomping through the land, pooping on the land, peeing on the land, that's the natural tilling system of the soil. Right. We had a live soil. Um, what's yes. really cool that I've been learning about is that, you know, um, when there's, when they have dung on the ground, there's actually dung beetles. These dung beetles take their poop, naturally take it deep into the soil and they're naturally creating that. Um, you know, there's so Amazing. much that goes to show with that. Um, I don't know. A lot of people don't know this, but from cow dung, um, and ruminant animal dung, like you know, psilocybin mushrooms actually grow from that. How crazy is that? Those amazing, amazing. mushrooms actually grow from <laughs> dung. That's not an ex that's not a coincidence either. Not a coincidence. So of, not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. Like this is part of our ancestral roots. And so um, you know, a lot of people yes. 
I'll just give like a smoothie as an example or an acai bowl. We get all of these different ingredients from everywhere, but nowhere in the world do we naturally have all of those ingredients. The reality is that our ancestors had primarily bison or maybe elk or maybe salmon, depending on which poles they were at. And then they kind of supplemented with these other like wild berries or honey or different root vegetables that they were able to get from their surroundings, depending on where they were in the world. You know, for India, the part that I'm at, coconuts are huge. So that was definitely a big part of them. Um, And then in other places, there's more tropical fruit. Um, In other places, there really isn't any fruit. And actually, they primarily just had meat and milk. Milk was huge. A lot of um, tribes, there's to this day, it shows tribes living on the in the world were primarily surviving just off of milk. So to kind of like yeah. encompass what that is and why I shared our roots is that basically regenerative the agriculture is mimicking the land of milk and honey. <laughs> mm, I love that. Yeah. It's like, I mean, milk and honey is one of those things where I'm like, these are mm. abundance foods. These are essential foods. These make me feel so alive when I have them. Um But regenerative agriculture is mimicking basically what the bison were doing. So rather than Mm. factory farmed meat, which is fed grains, soy, you know, the cows themselves are not fed their own ancestral diet. Their ancestral diet's grass. The bison used to graze on grass. The cows used to graze on grass. So when you take a regenerative ranch, these cows or even bison or elk or whatever the ruminant animals means they have multiple compartments in their stomach so they're able to really digest and process all the nutrients and convert it for us to thrive on um they have tons of grass space um they actually move the cattle around so that the grass has time to rest the soil has time to replenish and regenerate and it's actually way better for the climate the animals are happier. And then because the animals weigh less stress and it's eating what it was meant to be eaten, then of course the quality of the meat that we're consuming is so amazingly Mm. more beneficial. Mm. And there's something called bioavailability because people go into Costco and think just because they're getting these organic vegetables and fruits that they're so healthy. But if it's actually not vital and coming from a regenerative approach, the amount of nutrients is lower. Mm, So just because the nutrition facts say there's that much nutrients, that's not the case. So you can take, you know, the same foods and there'll be way more nutrients in one of them than the other. So you need, you know, less is more. You can get one steak that's a grass-fed finished regenerative steak and you're probably getting almost all of the essential nutrients you need Mm. from that one ingredient. That's how our ancestors thrived on it. So this whole learning changed my perspective as far as our connection with the environment and the animals. Yeah. Wow. Wow. This is amazing. So amazing. And the bioavailability, you know, I think we're not necessarily taught that there's components in plants that actually prevent us from absorbing the nutrients. That's a thing, you know? Um, And also hearing about plants, they have self-protective mechanisms, you know, built in. Yeah. 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 So that's a whole other conversation that I'm just, I'm loving how we're circling back to our roots 
you know, to that primal ancestral way of being, of connecting to the earth, of connecting to the earth as an organism, as a whole, the plants, the animals, everything, you know, this, yeah, it's super energizing, very just beautiful. Okay. Yeah. So what are a few practices, speaking of primal roots, what are a few practices people can integrate to reconnect to their primal roots? Yeah. So I'll go through the different elements, but just share a little bit about each one. So ancestral nourishment, um, you know, I'm really big on never telling someone to restrict. Like the second you have restriction, your body thinks that, oh my gosh, like there's a rule. Um, That's also why I'm really big on primal feasting and fasting, because a lot of people think fasting is restriction, but actually if you allow yourself to have a really big meal, and maybe that looks like two big meals a day, which is primarily what I do, then you, when you do eat, you're not signaling any restriction because your body's like, oh my goodness, I can have this feast. And you allow yourself to feel fully satiated. Um, Also what you're satiating on. So primarily protein as a focus, but I don't even like to call protein, fats, carbs. Like I don't like to use all these terms. Uh, I would just say like, you know, more animal foods and, and it might take experimentation. You might find that salmon really feels good for you. You might feel that dairy feels really good for you. You might feel that like, you know, bison feels really good for you. Actually venison and wild game has been feeling really good for me, which is something I would have never thought of. So Think about just including more of the primal foods and then don't think about what you're doing less of. Just think about I'm feasting more on these primal foods and your body will naturally be able to reset a lot of these things. Um, So that's one practice. Another practice with the movement, uh, there's two moves specifically that will just get you into your, you know, primal body. And that is deep squatting. Before we, before we get into movement, just because I really want sure. listeners to know um, where they can get, where you recommend getting these certain meats before we dive into the movement piece, oh, if there's yes. some yeah. tangible recommendations of like, these are the places you can go, these are the brands that I recommend, anything like that? Absolutely. Um, so... If you're in San Diego County, I do work with a ranch directly here. They're basically the main regenerative ranch here in San Diego County. It's called Perennial Pastures Ranch. Perennial Pastures Ranch. If you are leaning towards more wild game and if you are in other parts of the country and want delivered, Force of Nature. They're based in Austin, Texas. So they do ship everywhere. They're actually now in like most grocery stores, like more uh, natural whole food type of grocery stores, which is amazing. Um, And then there's another uh, ranch and farm that I love based in Georgia called White Oak Pastures. Um, So White Oak Pastures, Force of Nature, and then Perennial Pastures Ranch, if you're in San Diego County. And then of course, like if you have access to your farmer's market, that's also Mm going to be amazing to talk to them and have those conversations. Amazing. Yes. And I'll include uh, links to these resources in the show notes for those of you listening, if you want to learn more. 
awesome. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Let's let's dive into the movement piece. What's what's next and yes. how we can connect to our primal roots through movement. Yes. So two moves, the primal squat, which is basically like ass to the grass, like you're squatting all the <laughs> way down, your knees are out wider, you will feel like full back decompression. And if you look up a picture of like an orangutan or a chimpanzee, you're probably going to see them sitting in this way with their knees, their ankles fully bent. And this is an amazing release for your body. It helps so much with posture and ease. Um, and then the other one is just going to be hanging from a bar. So most parks these days have bars. Um, or if you order one at home, you can just do like an attachment to your door and I mean, I have my mom, she works in software all day and she's now able mm. to hang for like two minutes straight. And she does yeah. that during her breaks. And it's so much decompression for your spine. Right. But also if you, th if you think about your shoulders, they can move in so many directions and you're mm. using a lot of your shoulder joint when you're moving. You can even feel your shoulder squeezing and squeezing back. So those are the two things that just like, just incorporate them into your weekly routine with the movement. I love that. So the then, primal squats, ass yeah. to the grass, hanging. Yes. And even by just visualizing myself hanging, I can almost feel the elongation that could happen in your spine mm -hmm. through that. Yes. Like I could feel my back cracking, even just saying like, oh, hanging. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. And like on an energetic level, your spine is the gateway to so much energy moving through oh, you. Yes. Um, and if mm. you're sitting most of the day, like absolutely you need to do both of those. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Then we have earth recharge. The really simple one will be just putting your feet on bare earth on the daily and putting your sun in the face, um, putting your face mm -hmm. in the sun. I know. I was like, <laughs> oh, in sun in the face. Putting the sun in the sun. Um, and what I like to do, just because I have a little front yard, I every time I'm eating my meals, I just sit under the sun um, yeah. with bare Would feet. Would you call it sun gazing? Um, so I'm not looking at the sun by any chance, but I'm trying okay. to have as much skin to the sun, basically. Yes. I mean, if you live yes. by the beach, like definitely you can just, you know, go do the thing and actually get the charge up the, the minerals from the water. But assuming people are from all different landscapes, just having some type of connection of your feet to whether it's the grass or the dirt, or like if you have a live soil and you're composting near you, that could also be amazing. Just like get in there and massage it out. Like the earth, that's how you give back to the earth, which is really beautiful, but let it charge you up because we are so disconnected. We're already in house. We're wearing shoes all the time. So that's yes. the recharge. Um, and you'll see it just like it, it just brings you back to your bliss immediately almost. Yes. Um, the final one is, you know, tribe love and the practice there would be, you know, I think this one, what I'll go with is really the detachment because sometimes we're so focused on attaching to our friends that we've known forever, but a lot of people aren't in alignment and the conversation I've been having as recently is people who are wanting to call in more of a tribe community, but they're yes. too scared to let go. And so being mm. able to just trust and be like, I just want my people who just 
get me. Like you, yes. you can unapologetically be yourself and those people will just magnetize and come to you like this, you know? Yes. Yeah. I've been, this is a theme in my life right now personally is just community being such a huge pillar. And I love how you refer to it as tribe love. And, you know, I keep coming back to this truth, which is, which is I first need to be able to accept all parts of me that I must first recognize who I am now. Because yes. I, I'm also a seeker, seeker of truth, seeker of wisdom, knowledge, and reclaiming that for myself and just owning it, you know, yes. and just being like, this is who yeah. I am. And when I can truly own who I am, then that attracts mm-hmm. those people into my life. But first and foremost, it's being comfortable with that in myself. Yeah. yeah. And letting go. Yeah. I love how you mentioned the lesson of letting go, that it's okay. It's safe to let go. It's not that these people are going yeah. to completely exit your life. It just changes shape. Our relationship to others transforms and that's okay. Yeah. Yes. Evolution okay. too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, this has been such a nourishing conversation. Thank you so much, Sucha, for bringing your wisdom, your medicine to the Food, Body, and Soul podcast. What just an honor, sister. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this is such a blessing. I love talking about this and especially with people who are like open-minded and open to the evolution and experimentation. Absolutely, absolutely. So before we complete the conversation today, I think it's important, you know, a mantra that I've been referring to is that insight plus action equals change. So we can take in this information and we have these aha moments and we gather moments of insight. And then it's the action piece that actually also leads to the change. So I'm curious, what is your call to action for the audience today? What do you want listeners to know more than anything? And how can they stay connected to you and take action now? Yeah. Um, Trusting and surrendering in yourself and knowing that when you view your body as a vessel for what you're supposed to bring out in this world. We can call it your assignment or your purpose. Mm -hmm. Your perception of everything changes and you're no longer doing the thing for a surface level reason, but you realize it's a way more greater purpose. And that might take a lot of digging into, but it's something to kind of just sit with. That's definitely what I love to bring forward. And it's what I Um, invite people to do through our retreats and through coaching with me and through our camps, because we are bringing you back to your ancestral self. And when you can, for lack of better words, remove all the bullshit from your life and just ground down with like the food and the movement and then the tribe community and the earth, which is literally just our basics, then you can see so much more clearly as far as like what you need to carry out and your body isn't inflamed with all of the other things clouding it. Um, but we do have some really special offerings with my company, Live Blissed, um, July 30th and 31st in San Diego, we have a movement camp. And in this movement camp, this is for people who are 
I would like to call them movement nerds who really want to immerse themselves in movement. I'm bringing together some renowned movement instructors all the way from LA County to San Diego County. We'll have someone guiding through animal flow. We'll have someone guiding through um, martial arts. We'll have someone doing a breathwork and cold plunge workshop. We will have someone doing sound healing and acupuncture. We will have, I'm trying to remember all of the ones, um, more of like a body awareness practice, but that's also going hand in hand with jujitsu, which is a martial art where you're kind of rolling and wrestling on the ground. Um, so that's all encompassing in two days, which is going to be full days. We're having a primal communal dinner together afterwards. So that's a movement camp. And then August 24th to 29th, we're doing our annual retreat that we do every year. It's called Grounded in Moab. And Moab, Utah is home to Arches National Park, which is like such a sacred place. It's like my universal soul home. And I love to bring people here every year. We have a few spots. And so you can apply to join that retreat. It's coming up pretty soon. Um, both places, both offerings and other like more pop-ups that we have are offered through our website, livebliss.com. That's where you can find information. And our Instagram as well is great. It's just at livebliss, L-I-V-E-B-L-I-S-S-E-D. And then I share a lot on my end, which encompasses all the primal living but I do go really deep into like hormones. I go deep into like fasting and my journey with diets. I go deep into actually sex relationships, our exploration with sexuality and all of that. Uh, getting really vulnerable with my story and how that you know connects with other people. So my handle on Instagram, which is where I share a lot, is at primal.yogi. So that's where you can find me and join in on the amazing offerings that my company has to offer to get you into your full primal remembering and path. That is beautiful. And I will include all the links to these offerings in the show notes for those of you listening that want to dive in and connect to your primal roots, connect with Sucha and her messaging and the impact that she's creating in the world. Thank you again, Sucha. Much love to you, Thank sister. You. Thank you so much. Mm, congratulations to you, my friend, for making it to the end of this episode. Learning about the primal way of living certainly opened my eyes to new ways of nourishing my body and my soul. If you're at all interested in checking out Sucha's work, I'll include her links to her website and Instagram in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning into the Food, Body, and Soul podcast, where we explore what it means to live an embodied and nourished life so that we can create the impact we're made for. I hope these interviews continue to inspire you to keep walking the path of your own unfolding self and discovering the authentic truth of who you are. You can find out more about Food, Body, and Soul by going to my website at tylerrollingrd.com. And while you're there, you can schedule a free 30-minute clarity call for those of you who are struggling with disordered eating and body shaming. You can also experience Food, Body, and Soul by following me on the social media platform, better known as Instagram, at tyler.rolling.rd. Thanks so much to you all. And until next time, Food, Body, and Soul family, I'm sending you much love and many blessings. Thank you.